Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Well, we've come through Christmas, right? Did you have a good Christmas? I know our house was uh, loud and noisy and fun, and it was great to have everybody back. And we're rapidly moving in the direction of 2019. Can you believe that? Isn't that an incredible deal? Um, this Sunday's kind of a cool deal in that it just kind of provides a pause between Christmas and the New Year's, and you kind of go... So this is a great place to just stop, catch your breath. And uh, I want to talk this morning um, uh, about a couple things, but mostly on the topic of prayer. And uh, one of the things I want to do is give you a heads up where we're going to go after the first of the year and into the spring. So last year we covered the book of James, and then this fall we covered Malachi. And so uh, after, not this week or next week, but the week after, we will start on the Gospel of Mark. And go through, we haven't done a gospel for a long time, so we're going to come back to the Gospel of Mark. It's one of the uh, interesting ones. It's compact, it's dense, it moves quickly, it, it uses the word immediately a lot. And uh, so we're going to be heading that direction, and uh, I think it'll be, be really good. Uh, we've been in the Christmas series, and um, we talked about God came. If you remember that, Rob uh, spoke on that and did a great job. And then we covered that God cares and then that God saves and then God invites. And uh, if you weren't here for the Christmas Eve service, we apologize. We didn't record it. So we don't have a way to get that back to you unless I just stand in the auditorium and re- preach it again by for myself. We might do that. But um, this kind of was a, a great package that uh, set the year up really well. And to wrap up this series today, we want to talk about the fact that God moves. I don't know uh, if you think about it much or how it works, but um, often our view of God is very static. Uh, he's an old guy. He sits on a throne. He's in heaven. He might point a finger, uh, get that done for me, surfs. Uh, but that that's about it. And we, we don't really have... Um, a picture of God being really dynamic. Uh, let me just go back to the idea of 2019 approaching. I don't know how that is for you, um, but I can remember when I thought 2000 was a big deal and that if I was alive at 2000, that would be an amazing thing, right? And now it's 2019, so we're starting to stretch that rubber band a little bit. But uh, for us, 2019, for Norfew, 2019 is a very significant year. Uh, in our history. This year will mark the 20th anniversary since Northview came into existence. Did you know that? Yeah, this is the 20th year. So it's a big year. Uh, We're going to have some celebrations and some fun. Uh, If you go back, it was an exciting time and God was on the move uh, with the first successful planting wave of churches that came out of North Shore, uh, which is in Bothell. That's the mother church for number of the church plants here in the area. Uh, Pastor Dan Rupp and his wife Jamie had moved out from the Chicago area to plant a new church a year and a half earlier. Uh, I remember moving them into their first apartment in Bothell, right? And talking and getting to know them and, and hanging out together. That doesn't seem that long ago. And then it was in January, February, depending on who you talk to, uh, I couldn't get it exactly nailed down, but I talked, called a number of core people and, uh, 
But at the end of January, February of 2019, that Northview actually began to meet as its own church, still at North Shore, meeting in one of the rooms, but began to operate kind of as, as its own entity. And uh, I remember that time, and it was pretty exciting. Many who are still here today, who were, who were part of that core team? Raise your hands. Look around the room. John, Jan, were you part of that? Yeah, that, that, John, this is not a raised hand. That's a raised hand. There we go. Who else? Choose were there. Who else is in? A number of us, there will be more in the second service, the Dotons. They were all still part of that, right? Uh, they were all part of that first group. And then in September of 2019, uh, they ran a preview service, which is basically a practice run, right, to make sure you have everything ironed out before you open to the public. And then on September 26, 2019, Northview held its very first service in Jackson High School. All right? And so, uh, you know, it was an exciting beginning. And I remember uh, I was at North Shore at the time. I remember hearing the reports coming out and uh, this new church had started. Northview had big dreams and bigger hopes that God would use them to impact the Mill Creek area. And we're walking in those very same hopes in dreams as we anticipate the coming of the new year. Before we go any farther, let's stop and pray and ask God to uh, kindle a spirit of expectation, uh, an expectation of cooperating with Him, right? A new year brings that uh, part around that we would cooperate with Him in 2019. So let's pray that way. Lord, we know when we talk about cooperating with You, we're talking on several different levels. We're talking on an individual level, We're also talking on uh, a family level. We're also talking on a corporate level here as the church as a whole. And so the idea of coming into a fresh year and how could we cooperate with you uh, better? How could we be in step with you, in step with your spirit, as Galatians talks about, Lord? And we're going to try and anticipate some of that in the next two weeks. And we ask for your favor on it. I ask that you'd help me communicate clearly and that uh, we would be able to think together and uh, have a sense of your purpose for us. And we give that to your great hope in your name. Amen. All right. So to get this morning started, let's go back to the Christmas story. I know we're through Christmas, but uh, when you read the Christmas story, I just pulled from Matthew here. It says, now when they had departed, that was they being the wise men or the magi, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And if you take the story a little farther, then it says, as a result of hearing that from the Lord, it says, and he, he being Joseph, and he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. The idea here is that they split quick, right? You don't boogie in the middle of the night unless there's pressure coming and you know it. And so they split. And this was what to fill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my sons. One of the things that catches your attention uh, when you're reading about the birth of Jesus is the surprising amount of movement located in the stories. Everything is kind of just flying around. Uh, the angels are moving, right? The shepherds are moving. The wise men are moving. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, as we just read, are moving. And we come to find out later, Herod's moving as well. His 
intentions are far different than the other ones we just mentioned. But there's a lot of stuff in motion. It's not this calm, staid, uh, same all, same all kind of thing. It's a lot of stuff is popping really quickly. And uh, in that, I would suggest that there was a lot of prayer going on. This passage in Second Thessalonians talks about the importance and power of prayer. It says, To this end we always pray for you, this is Paul praying for the Thessalonian church, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. That is so well worded. I don't know if you ever sit back in amazement like how David worded things in the Psalms. Like, how did he come up with that? Or like right here with Paul. How did he come up with this kind of wording? It's just spectacular. He says, let me read that again. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Talks about power and prayer and faith and grace and all that stuff all working together. You know, when we think back to the Christmas story, one of the things that's kind of interesting about it that's not recorded are the prayers that took place during all these events. You don't get a lot. You get some snatches of it. But uh, pretty sure they were praying, but you don't know exactly what they were praying. Uh, we know, for example, that Zacharias, John the Baptist's father, was praying when he was offering prayers for the nation as well as incense. But also, we know he was praying personally. And the reason we know that is that um, in the Holy of Holies, when Gabriel talked to him, he told Zacharias that your prayers have been heard. Right? So we know that Zacharias was praying. And certainly Joseph must have been praying about his circumstances that he found himself in, right? I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer. Like, what in the world is this? My whole thing has crashed. Now what do I do? Uh, it's amazing how we pray hard in moments like that, right? And I'm sure Joseph must have come to the end of himself. Mary's magnificent that she prayed as a prayer. The wise men must have been praying as they sought the baby. And certainly as they had to leave by another route, Right? They had to be thinking about, wow, God, you led us this far. Now we've got to go a different direction. What do we do? Uh, we know that both Simeon and Anna, who we didn't even cover this Christmas, but in other Christmases we have, uh, were in the ten- temple continually praying, and that Simeon had been promised that he wouldn't die until he saw the Lord's Messiah, and that Anna knew that the Messiah was coming and had been praying and telling people about it in the temple. So... Um, It's been said that prayer moves the hand of God. I think it might be more accurate to say that prayer lines us up with the hand of God. Right? Prayer lines us up with the way God's moving and gets us in line with God's movement. Um, I don't think necessarily prayer manipulates God, but I do think it lines us up with Him. Now, I want to talk about prayer this morning, but I'm not going to quote all the verses on prayer this morning like Second Chronicles 7.14, which says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, 
Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Or 1 Thessalonians 5.16, which says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Um, nor am I going to quote all the verses that tell us where to pray. Like, you know, you got on to this. Okay, you're not that asleep. This is good. I'm feeling encouraged. Where it says, But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Or verses that tell us how not to pray, like Matthew 6, 7, and 8, which says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. I'm not even going to quote all the verses that tell us how to pray. Like when Jesus said, Then pray like this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our, our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. I always have trespasses in there. Right? Old version, some of you with me on that. Okay? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I also don't want to quote all the prayers of people who prayed that are found in the Bible. Like Hannah's prayer when she couldn't have a child. And David's prayers are, are certainly spectacular. The prayers of Solomon are profound. Elijah and Elisha and the prayers that they prayed and the miracles that came off of that. Hezekiah's prayer or Isaiah's prayer or Jeremiah's prayer. Uh, Ezra or Nehemiah's prayer when they came to rebuild the, not just the city but the temple and the nation. All the, think of all the prayers just located in the Psalms. One of the things that's galvanizing about the Psalms is you start reading through there and you just realize it's just prayer after prayer after prayer. And they're not all nice prayers. Okay? Uh, there's what are called the imprecatory prayers, which are get them, God, sick them. Right? And, uh, but they're prayers. And you, you go, how did they come up with that stuff? It, it's, it's really amazing. Um, or we won't go through Daniel's prayers, which are really profound. Or others like Jonah. Jonah's were unconventional, right? Habakkuk or Malachi's prayer. We just went through Malachi. We won't even take the time to walk through Paul's prayers. Although, as I just showed you, they're pretty awesome. What I want to do this morning is salt the idea that 2019 might be an excellent year to engage in prayer. Right? Obviously, I salted it with all the stuff I just covered. Since this will be our anniversary year, it seemed right to me to take us back to the spirit that our church began with, with Northview being bathed in prayer. I don't know if you've ever been part of uh, something where it takes off. Uh, uh, at North Shore, we had the Christmas dessert, and I remember being in the hallways praying for people I didn't even know. Uh, we had church plants. I remember praying for those. I remember uh, building campaigns that we knew it, it, if the Lord wasn't in it, it would never happen. And I, I remember seasons of intense prayer like that. And uh, Norfie was bathed in that kind of prayer. It was bathed in prayer before Dan and Jamie ever showed up. Uh, Pastor Jan Hedinga had a dream for planting churches and, and we often sought the Lord long before any of them were ever planted. But certainly uh, it, it happened after Dan and Jamie got here. What creates that is the situation lends itself to prayer simply because 
of the number of questions it kicks up. Okay, It just kicks up a ton of questions. For example, if you're the church planting team, uh, should we plant? Right? Do God, do we have a, a green light on this? Or is it yellow or red? Or, you know... Um, uh, in Dan and Jamie's case, they were in Chicago. Should we go to Seattle? Think about that. That's a that's a pretty good shot to come across. Um, where should we plant? Once you decided you should do it, all right, that's great. Where? Uh, right? And you, there's a lot of prayer involved with that. Um, when should we plant? Not only where, but okay, what's the right timing? When should we launch? That kind of stuff. Where will we meet? Oh, there's a thing we're thinking about. Gee, we got all these great ideas. Are we, do we actually have a place to meet? That would be nice, right? Kind of kicks up some prayer. Uh, who will come with us? Probably stirs up a little bit of prayer, right? Uh, from the congregation side, stirs up a whole different set of questions. Are we supposed to join the plant, right? Do we trust them as leaders? That's a big thing. Should we move? Uh, right? Uh, should we stay where we are? Or should we move closer to where it's going to be? Well, where's it going to be? That's a big thing. Um, lots of prayer about that. Can we give up all the advantages that North Shore, the mother church had, right? Uh, a church plant doesn't have near the things that the established church does. And should we do that? Should we do that? There's just a ton of questions. Uh, Everybody had, about the only person that didn't have any questions was John Harris. Okay, John was in love with Amy. Amy decided to go to a plant. He didn't care about the plant at all, but he cared about Amy, so he went. All right? And you can tell him I said that, right? And, uh, and he's still with us today. <laughs> so I, I think that's, see, sometimes you don't even pray and stuff happens. That's really cool. But there's just a ton of questions that come up that something like that stirs. Do you remember when we moved into this building? Do you remember all the prayers and, and how we gathered together? Because it was a huge step. It was We were a little posse at that time. This is miraculous what we're sitting in. Do you remember how we were motivated prayer? And all these walls uh, were, were not sheetrocked at the time. And we took pens and all the, all the prayers and all the scripture that's written on these walls all surround us every Sunday. We don't see them, but the Lord does. But it kicked up a ton of prayer. You know, something like that, why it engages prayer is simply because there's the adventure side to it, right? Woohoo, we get to do something new, as Dave Weed would say, right? But then there's the, also the other side, this could really bomb, as Matthew would say, all right? And, you know, there's this, oh, wow, oh, ah, whoo, we better pray, right? And, and you know, Northwood, it was many things, but one thing it was not. When you step into something like that, it's never boring, right? When you take God at faith and you take a step, it's anything, but it can be terrifying, it can be traumatizing, it can be adrenaline rush, it can be a lot of things. It's never boring, right? And so uh, the idea of engaging with God in prayer is the idea of let's not let it be boring this year. Uh, when you plan something like that or you move, it's new, it's exciting. And it felt... Like Jesus, if you go back to Northview being planted, it just felt like Jesus through the Holy Spirit was on the move. 
something new was happening. And those of you who were part of that, remember, think, I want to be part of that. Is it risky? Yeah. But I want to, I want to be a part of that. And the question I have for us this morning is this. Do you think it might be possible to recapture the initial sense of jumping into something with God that would naturally speed along our desire to pray at the same time? I mean, that's a long sentence. Let me read that again a little slower. Do you think it might be possible to recapture that initial sense of jumping into something with God? In other words, cooperating with Him, stepping along with Him that would naturally speed along our desire to pray at the same time. In other words, it provides the momentum to pray. It provides the sense to pray. It provides the reason to pray. What gave me this thought is a verse found in 2 Thessalonians. Um, We as Americans uh, are not very patient. We like the idea of things moving forward, right? Let's get it done yesterday kind of thing. And... uh, and to speed things along, as we might say. Um, and in these verses, Paul's talking about speeding ahead the Word of God and its impact. Let me show you what I'm talking about. This is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. It says, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the Word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as has happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all... Have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And he goes on to say this in verses 4 and 5. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Paul holds up God's love for us, and equally important, the steadfastness of Christ. We say Jesus is the rock. And during times of transition, times of trouble, and times of turmoil, and times of change, we need Jesus to be our rock. So two phrases that really caught my attention, I want to go back to the first one here, where it says, Brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead. Paul was actually asking them to pray in a way that it would catch momentum, that it would move, that it wouldn't just stay where they were in Thessalonica, but it would actually spread throughout, in Paul's case, the rest of the known world at that time. And so Paul's saying, okay, pray that it would speed ahead. We don't often think like that. But it it can, and prayer can be one of the things that helps do that. The other phrase, as I already mentioned to you, is found in the second half there, that the Lord would direct our hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. It takes tremendous steadfastness and perseverance to take steps of faith. Um, Steps of faith are like a home improvement project where... When you're about halfway through, you have to remind yourself, why did I start this again? And how long did I think it would take me? Any of you ever been in one of those? Right? Yeah. Steps of faith are like that. They, they are not a straight line process like we would like them to be. They don't go from A to B, done, signed, sealed, nailed it, out of here. Okay? They go from A to muddle. Dipsy doodle, twist around, uh, 
where did B go? Oh, bang, got there, right? And we will make it through. It's just it never quite goes the way we anticipate. But the idea that we could move up the timetable on some things and be anchored in God's love and the steadfastness of Christ while we're doing it was, is intriguing to me. I've been thinking about it uh, since the beginning of the series because I had this idea first before the series. All right, so I've been thinking about it since about the end of November. And it talks about God directing our hearts uh, towards the love of him. In other words, having the Holy Spirit steer us towards God and the things that God has for us rather than what the world has for us. Um, you know, the world's got a lot of stuff for us, right? Right now, what is it? Football, right? You've got the playoffs, you've got the college playoffs, you've got the professional playoffs, and, and there's, you know, football's great, but it's a game. And we, they now talk about football like it's a religion, right? And the hallowed grounds of uh, Lambeau Field, where I came from, and, right? And it's like it's taken on overtones that are really idolatrous. Let's just call it for what it is. Nothing wrong with watching a game, but when you elevate it to that level and it consumes all your energy and thought and time, it's taken a place that's supposed to be God's. And, and so um, I was just wrestling with this, uh, how we break from this. Simultaneously, uh, so we belong to Converge USA. Uh, our part is called Converge Northwest. So we're the Northwest District of Converge USA. But Scott Rideout, our president, uh, came out with this uh, 21 days of prayer. And you can tell our graphics are really fancy because Margaret was gone this week. All right? So this is Stephen Shannon graphics. He'll get better next week. But he came out with 21 days of prayer and how to have 21 days to set the tone for 2019. And... Uh, I, I was measuring that. Our annual meeting is Sunday, uh, January 27th, uh, which will be at the end of the month. And that will give us just about 21 days to pray and have a special emphasis. So uh, I thought, wow, that, that really meshes really good. And the thought is of specifically focusing on prayer for 21 days to seek the Lord and his will for us in our conference in 2019. Do you realize right now if you don't know anything about our conference, right now our conference, Converge USA, our section, as I mentioned, being Converge Northwest, is the number one church planning conference in the United States right now. There, what, I'm, what I mean by that is not pride. What I mean, there's something happening. There's something going on. God's, God is moving. Um, and the question would be, could we speed it along? Is there a way, Northview, we could cooperate to speed that along. And could we see God do something this year that would put us in a better position to do so? I believe there is. But before we get to that, two obvious questions kind of raise their heads anytime a pastor brings this stuff up, right? Because we have the immediate, oh, there's the pastor mode thing. Up, sales job. Up, hook. Up, right? So all the walls go up, right? And, and the two obvious questions are these. All right? Is it worth it? Right? And will anything come out of it? We're pretty skeptical towards prayer. 
uh, we're kind of utilitarian and practical. Like, I'll pray for meals. I'll pray at night because it's the right thing to do. But to invest more than that might take more time and I don't have that much time, so that's as far as I'm going to take it. And to actually engage on that on a deeper level is a hard pull for us. It's something that um, does not come naturally. And I would just like to say these two questions, they they make total sense to me. I get it. Um, You know, you're saying, I already have a busy life. Why do you want to add more to it? I get it. It gets. It sounds like I have to. Uh, you may be sitting there saying, I'm exhausted from the holidays and now you want me to do more? I need a break from my vacation, right? Kind of thing. And really, it is just going to be what it is. Uh, prayer isn't going to make all that much difference. It's nice window dressing, but that's about it. So, uh, you know, what's going to happen and get accomplished is going to get happened and accomplished anyways. Uh, it's nice if we wrap a bow on it and pray, but it's not really that critical factor because the critical factor is the do factor, not the pray factor, which just tells you how backwards we have things. Right? I understand the questions, but I think we're missing the point. As I was thinking it through, see if this clicks with you. How exciting would it be to get in on the ground floor of something that God was about to do. Those of you who planted Norfolk, you got in on the ground floor. You were at the very beginning. I'm looking at a bunch of you. You were at the very beginning. It was an exciting time. If you ask the core, if you talk to them this morning, they wouldn't trade anything for the experience of having been a part of launching a new church um, or being able to see God work in such clear in discernible ways. There's other things, like for example, I would say the same thing of when we moved into this building. It was an absolute kick to watch Jesus pull something off that we knew couldn't happen. Uh, it's so hard to explain how this is a miracle because it looks so done. But this is such an amazing thing. And when you're in on the ground floor, I remember uh, when I jumped on an Amtrak train and came west out to Seattle to be a youth pastor in church. It was, I, I guarantee you, I prayed, right? I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea where I was going, and yet I was going, right? And that seems all so far away and done, but I remember being on the ground floor of that. I remember coming out, I rem- and it just charged me. It was like, it's real, it's dynamic, it's working. They'll also tell you that in the midst of doing that, or if you've been in something like that, there are many other things that I'm sure, if we just went around the room, were you ever in on something like that, all kinds of stories would come flooding out of us. Um, They'll tell you that uh, they enjoyed the intensifying of their prayer life while that happened. That actually, that made them pray more, and as they prayed more, they actually went, this is cool. They wanted to pray more. They liked praying more. It was cool to pray more. There was a reason to pray more. And they wanted to pray more. It just all kind of rolled into one together. They had something to aim at. Now, was it easy? No. Was it convenient? No. Was it worth it? Yes. Now, hear me clearly. It may not be a church plant that we're looking at here. I'm not saying that we have to plant a church. It might be, but it may not be. It may be something else. 
But we should pray for God to show us which way to go for 2019 because I would like to make 2019 a, a marker year where we can say, do you remember that year? Do you remember, remember the first anniversary? No. Do you remember the 20th? Yes. Wow, do you remember what God did in that year? That was incredible. That's what we did when it began, right? And that's what we should do on our 20th anniversary. It could be an absolutely amazing year. Let's finish with this. Psalm uh, 27, 7 and 8 says this. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. In other words, when I'm praying to you, when I cry out to you, please hear me. Be gracious to me and answer me. And in that prayer, as they're praying, you have said, there's the psalmist is saying, God, you've talked to me, you've said to me, seek my face. And my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek, or your face will I seek. The uh, old preachers would make the distinction about this psalm. To seek God's hands was to seek him for what he can give you. To seek his face is to seek him for who he is. And this psalm draws the distinction. Uh, the, the psalmist is crying out. The psalmist is praying. There's some obvious needs. If you read the rest of the psalm, you can figure out what the needs are. I'll let you do that later today. But in there, he's crying out to the Lord. And in the midst of that crying out to the Lord, please answer these prayers, God says, stop praying about the stuff you need. Seek me. Seek my face. In other words, like a friend. Micah's my friend, right? I want, if I talk to Micah, do I talk to Micah like this? Hey, Micah, how was Albuquerque? You, Kayla, have a great time? Was that fun? No, it's like, you ever have somebody do that? They won't look you in the eye like, we're, no, hey, how was it? Right? It's a face-to-face thing. And Scripture says we are to seek God's face like a friend. That we are to um, look to Him, not for what He can give us, but for who He is. And I think just where our world is right now, 2019, is a great year to seek the Lord's face. So the idea is that we want to seek Him first before we seek what He can do for us or even what we can do for Him. So I'm going to come back next week and uh, I'm going to lay out what I think a good target for us will be in 2019. So if you want to know what that is, stay tuned and come back next week. Does that work for you? I'm going to leave you hanging right there. I want you to think about and pray what you might think are some good targets for 2019. I've run some things by the board. I've run some things by the staff. I've run some things by some of the community group leaders. I haven't gotten to everybody. But there seems to be a sort of thing, and we don't know exactly what we think the Lord would want us to do, but we do have a sense of what our steps should be. And so we're going to lay that out for you next week. And then we're going to pray about that for 21 days as we come to our annual meeting and see if we find consensus on it. Does it make sense to you? Awesome. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you will engage our congregation this week with the thought of what, how do we seek you in 2019? And then, Lord, how do we speed along your word in our culture? Lord, our culture is tough. It's pretty resistant. We don't actually know what to do. Some brilliant ideas from you would be really appreciated. But also, what will this year hold and what are we looking at and where are we? Only you know all those answers. 
And so I pray you would, that my message salted it for people this morning, reminded them of some things, energized them to think about what 2019 would hold, how we should pray about it, and Lord, how we should seek you. And we pray for you to be at work in the next couple of weeks as we seek out a vision for the year, and we give that to you in your name. Amen.